Dr. Mark Joe on Moody Presents. To pray but not to have faith is like having a flashlight without a battery. It looks good, but it doesn't work. Faith is to prayer the power that causes it to access the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Welcome to the straightforward Bible teaching of Pastor Mark Job on Moody Presents. Dr. Job is president of the Moody Bible Institute and founding pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. I'm John Geiger. Have you ever used the wrong tool for the job? Well, I could tell you some stories. For me, a screwdriver fixes everything, right? But, you know, we can do the same thing spiritually. We're looking today at the fifth chapter of the book of James. It's a message titled, Powerful Prayer. Well, speaking of the right tools for the right job, I think you'll love our opening story. Here's Pastor Mark Job on Moody Presents. Sometimes you have a project, but unless you have the right tools to tackle the project, it's not going to turn out too well. A few years ago, when my daughter was about 15 years old, I got a panic phone call. And she said, Dad, I can't get into the house. She had left her keys, and she was able to get into the garage because she had the code, but she couldn't get into the house, and she was in panic mode. She said, Dad, I have an event to go to. I really need to get in the house. Are you guys close? I said, I'm an hour away. She said, well, Dad, I really need to get into the house. How many of you know that there's a lot of drama in 15-year-old girls? Let me just say that, you know, there's a lot of drama there. And I said, well, honey, it's going to be an hour. I really need to get into the house. And I said, well, you could try this. There's a toolbox on the side. If you pull out a screwdriver, you may be able to unscrew the lock and get in if you really think you can do it. Well, I didn't hear from her, didn't hear from her. When I got back home finally, I noticed that the garage door had a bunch of nicks in it and marks on it, and the handle was real banged up. And when I finally got in, I said, honey, what happened to the garage door? She said, dad, you told me to go into the toolbox. I went into the toolbox, and I found a hammer. And she says, this, I said, I banged, I banged at it to try to get it loose, but it just wouldn't work. And so she had a challenge, but she was using the wrong tool to overcome that challenge. Some of us are like that with prayer. We've had challenges in our life, and we've approached those challenges sometimes with prayer, but not necessarily praying the right way at the right time with the right approach. And so some of us have walked away saying it doesn't work, not because prayer doesn't work, but because our approach to prayer hasn't worked. James in this passage, in the final verses of James, he's teaching the believers really what it means to pray powerfully. And so today I want to look at these verses in James chapter 5, verses 13 through 20, as we talk about how to pray powerfully. Some of you have an incredible power that you're not using. You have a tool that God has given you that can open up doors but you are approaching it the wrong way. You don't know how to use the tool that God has given you. And so James is saying, I want you to know how to pray, not just pray generic small prayers, but I want you to know how to pray 
powerful, life-changing, destiny-altering prayers. So let me start by reading James chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. It says, is anyone in trouble? Let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And then he goes on and says, And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. Word of the Lord. Five things I want you to learn about prayer today if you're going to pray powerfully. Number one, you need to learn the prayer approach. Learn to use the right prayer approach for each situation. So James says, I want you to learn how to pray. When you're in trouble, you pray differently than when you're sick. And when you're sick, you pray differently than when you're happy. So he gives three situations. Number one, he says, when you're in trouble, learn how to do the supplication prayer. How many of you know that our prayer life escalates when we're in trouble? I know people that have trouble reading their Bible, trouble praying, but give them a DUI that lands them in Cook County for six nights, and suddenly they have become voracious readers of the Bible and prayer warriors. So when you're in trouble, he says, you need to learn how to pray. Some people get in trouble and they don't pray. They exhaust every other avenue to solve their problem but pray. And James is saying if you're in trouble, this word trouble means if you're experiencing a hardship, a challenge in your life that you can't seem to overcome, then you need to learn how to engage in the process of supplication, coming before God, pressing on the doors of heaven so that God will change the circumstance. Number two, when you're happy, he says, is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. So when you're in trouble, you learn how to petition before God. When you're happy, you learn how to praise God. The word here is let him learn how to sing songs of praise or literally let him make music. So let me tell you something about that because some of us have not understood the power of praise. Praise is a form of prayer. It's just you do it by singing or by exalting who God is and what he's done. I don't know what you do when you get happy. Maybe you whistle. Maybe you skip. Maybe you dance. I'm not sure what you do. But the Bible says when you're happy, things go well. God answers a prayer. A door is open. He says you need to engage in the prayer of praise. You know, we highly underestimate the importance of praise. In fact, some of you here, even as you started to come to this church, you think that the first 20 minutes is optional. Come on now, I'm stepping on some toes now. Um, the first 20 minutes, because you say, well, they're just singing. 
especially some men, they say, well, you know, I'm not into karaoke. I've never been a singer. I'm not like a hand raiser. I'm just, that's just not me. I'm just not like a singer. I just come and sit. So I wait till the singing is over, and then I come for the preaching. Listen, the singing is not there to give you time to find a parking place in the, in the parking lot. If you really understood praise, you would realize that praise is not a prelude to the main event, but that praise is the main event. Yeah. Listen, praise is you exalting the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Praise is not a karaoke session. Praise is declaring that God is good. He's on the throne. He's sovereign. There's no one like unto Him. Yeah. The Bible says... I want men everywhere, it says specifically men, I want men everywhere to raise their hands. You say, well, pastor, I'm not a hand raiser. I've never gone to concerts. I I don't even go to Pearl Jam. I don't go. I don't raise my hand. I don't wave. I don't take candles. I just sit there. It's just not me. Well, it doesn't matter whether it's you or not. The Bible says that you are to engage in worship with all of your being. That means heart, soul, and spirit. When you raise your hands into God, what you are saying is, God, I surrender to you completely. You are all that I am and all that I have, and I surrender to you, God. If you're not a hand raiser, maybe you need to be a knee bender and get on your knees before God as we worship God because prayer is humbling for all of us. Praise is declaring that someone greater than us is present here, that someone higher than us is present here, that someone high and lifted up, and it's humbling. In fact, the the Anglo-Saxon word worship comes from the root word worth-ship. So what worship is, is giving worth to someone that is greater than us. The Bible says that God inhabits the praise of his people. In other words, God lands upon the praise of the people that are praising him. We create an atmosphere in which God, when we are praising him, says this is a place where I can work and move because people here are praising me. And so the Bible says when you're happy, when your soul is lifted up, then learn the power of praising God. So when you're in trouble, learn the power of supplication prayer. When you're happy, learn the power of praise prayer. And then when you're sick, Learn the power of anointing prayer. Is anyone sick, he says. That word sick is literally the word weakened physically, spiritually, emotionally. When someone is weak, they feel frail, they're sick. Let them call the elders of the church. Elders are the, in the Greek it's the word presbyter, which means those that are called to lead the church. We have a group of elders here at the church. There are qualifications for someone being an elder. There are biblical qualifications. It's not a position that you vote someone into. It's a position that you're qualified and called into. And their job is really to help oversee the spiritual health of the congregation. And the Bible says if someone is sick, you have a disease, you have, uh, you've been diagnosed with a tumor, cancer, diabetes, some heart condition that you're facing and you find yourself sick, he says, call the elders of the church, Ecclesia, to pray over them. 
In other words, the elder's job is to pray over them, and it tells us how to pray over them. It says to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, let me just explain that for a second because I think it's important. So the elders are called, and they lay hands on a person, and they anoint them with oil. The anointing with oil means that oil is placed on them. Is the oil the healing element? No, the oil is a symbol of the power of God to heal. If you look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, you'll find various references to anointing. In the Old Testament, when someone was going to be inaugurated as a king, they would anoint them with oil and say, now you are called to the position of being a king. Samuel poured oil over David's head as he called him to be king. What does the oil symbolize? The oil symbolizes the authority and the empowerment for a task ahead of us. That's Pastor Mark Job on Moody Presents. More to come in today's message titled, Powerful Prayer. And we're happy to let you know that you can hear today's message or any of Pastor Mark's teachings online. Visit moodypresents.org. Now, back to Pastor Mark Job on Moody Presents. In, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus said, I am anointed to preach the gospel to the poor, to open the eyes of the blind, to set the captive free. Anointed means I'm called, empowered to do this job. When the elders anoint a person, we take oil and we put it on their forehead. And the oil doesn't heal someone, but the oil is symbolic of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that has power to heal the sick. And so we are acknowledging with the oil that this is not man who is healing anybody. This is the power of God that is healing someone. Are you tracking with me? Yeah, it's important to understand this. And I don't have time to get into a long teaching on anointing, but in Mark chapter 6, verse 13, when Jesus sent the apostles out or the disciples out two by two, it says they drove out many demons or evil spirits and they anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Now, there's nothing magical about oil. I'm not sure exactly even where oil comes from. It's not imported from Israel, believe me. It's probably Crisco oil or something like that. But it's really not about the oil. It's about the symbolism of the oil. Just like baptism, it's not the waters of baptism that wash your sins away. It's symbolic of what Jesus has done in your life that washes your sins away. And the water is a symbol of that. The oil, when we anoint someone with oil on their head, it's symbolic that the presence of the Holy Spirit is here and that He has authority and power to heal the sick. Now I have people say, well, Pastor, don't we believe in doctors? Oh, yes, we believe in doctors. Once in a while, someone will come to me and say, Pastor, is it a lack of faith that I go see a doctor? And I say, no, it's a lack of common sense that you don't go see a doctor. Because 
Luke in the New Testament, he was a doctor. I believe that God uses a lot of ways to heal us, and sometimes God can use a doctor. It's not a lack of faith to go to a doctor. Hello. God can use a doctor, but God can also supernaturally heal you if he chooses to do so. I've seen and heard a lot of stories of people that have been touched supernaturally by the power of God as he releases healing power into their life. I think of my own life, and I've had in my own family a few experiences where as a result of the elders praying and anointing with oil that we've seen breakthroughs that I can only attribute to the hand of God. One of them that comes to my mind is when my wife and I got married we were really involved and super preoccupied in ministry. The church was small, and we were doing a lot of the ministry ourselves and really busy. And as the church began to grow, uh, we continued to be busy. But about three years into it, my wife started having a real strong desire for children. Every time someone had a baby in the congregation, she would say, I, I really... I want us to have a baby. And I said, I do too, but, you know, it's in God's timing. And, uh, you know, so this increased more and more. And we were six years into our marriage, and we had no children. We were doing everything needed to produce children and having fun in the process, but no children were coming. <laughs> Just thought I'd clarify that. <laughs> and no children were coming. And so finally, we went to the doctor, and the doctor said, you need to see a specialist. We went to see a specialist for the first time, and the specialist said, you know, after six years, and you're not pregnant, there's definitely something wrong here, and we're going to have to start to do some tests on this to see if there's a fertility problem or fertility issue. And I was like, oh, no, I've, I know how this goes. I've seen couples go through fertility treatments, and it's brutal if you've ever had to go through them. And so I, what I realized we hadn't done is we hadn't gone to the elders and asked them to pray for us. So we went to the elder team, and my father was actually part of the elder team at the time. And we said, you know, we, we believe that God opens and closes the womb. It's been six years, and so we're asking the elders to pray for us. And so we gathered around on a Sunday morning, and they anointed my wife, Dee, and I with oil, and they prayed over us heartfelt, powerful prayer. As they prayed over us, an image popped to my mind as I was on my knees and they were praying for me. And I saw myself as a father holding a little baby with a lot of dark hair. Little Mexican baby, actually, with a lot of dark hair. And when I got up from that prayer, I had this sense of, I feel like God is going to answer this prayer. I Nothing had changed. I couldn't describe it, but I had this sense that God is working. And after six years, think about it. We didn't go back to the fertility doctor. We had an appointment a little, a little bit while later. But before we went there, my wife did a pregnancy test and sure enough discovered after six years, after the elders praying for us, that she was pregnant. And when that little baby girl was born, boy, did she have a lot of dark, silky hair. And I, I held her in my arms, and I knew I remembered back 
Nine months previously, that image that I had and the people praying for us, I believe in the supernatural, powerful healing of God. I believe that God heals. So first of all, you need to know the approach to prayer. If you're in trouble, supplication. If you're happy, learn to praise. If you're sick, learn to come before the elders and be anointed with oil and being prayed over. Number two, not only do you need to learn the approach to prayer, but you need to learn prayer power. Learn to operate with a measure of transformative faith when you pray. Notice what he says in verse 15. And the prayer offered in what? Say it together. And the prayer offered in what? In faith. Will make the person well. The Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. I want you to notice that it's the prayer offered in faith. Not just the prayer offered, but the prayer offered in faith. Prayer and faith go hand in hand. To pray but not to have faith is like having a flashlight without a battery. It looks good, but it doesn't work. Or like having a car without a gas tank full. It looks like a great car, but it won't get you anywhere. Or like having a vacuum cleaner that's not plugged in. All the parts are there, but it lacks power. Faith is to prayer, the energy, the power that causes it to access the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so he says, and the prayer of faith, early on in the chapter in James, he says, if you're going through a trial or a situation that's difficult, you need to come to God and ask God for wisdom. But when you ask, you must ask believing, because if you doubt, you're like the wave of the sea tossed back and forth, a double-minded person. You should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. In other words, when you pray but you don't believe, then don't expect your prayers to have much effect. What James is saying is that even in the instance of someone that needs healing or a major breakthrough, that we need to offer our prayer in faith. You say, well, pastor, what exactly is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's a biblical definition of faith. Or what Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 tells us, that if you come to God, you must first of all believe that He is. In other words, you have to believe that this deity called God exists. That He not only is a deity called God, but that He is the God of the Bible with all power and authority to accomplish His purposes here on earth. So you must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. In other words, you have to believe that God exists and you have to believe that if you press into God, that He will actually reward you, that you will receive from God that which He wants you to receive. That's what faith is. And so, He tells us in this passage that when your prayer is offered in faith, that it can make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise him up, and if they have sinned, they will also be forgiven. Now, I want to offer a word of caution here. Because I've been around 
a long time and I've seen people pray for the sick wrong and I've seen people pray for the sick right. I want to make sure that you understand that our faith is not in faith. Our faith is in God. Some people have faith in faith. They believe, well, if I just believe enough, I'm going to look in my mirror and say, I believe, I believe, I believe. I'm healed, I'm healed. You try to force yourself to have faith, believing that your faith is in faith. You think that your faith can manipulate the God of the universe. Listen, our faith is never in faith. Our faith is in a person. He is the sovereign God of the universe. Do you understand the difference? If I have faith in faith, then I think that if I can boost my faith up, then I can get whatever I want. But if my faith is in a person, then I know that I can believe God, but ultimately I have to trust Him for the results that He thinks is best for me. There's a lot of people that get in a lot of trouble when they have faith in faith instead of faith in God. I have seen God move and heal people in miraculous ways, but I've also prayed for people that die. And you say, well, pastor, does that shake your faith in God? Not at all. Because my faith is not in faith, my faith is in God. If God answered our prayer every time someone was sick, and every time we prayed that they would be healed and that they wouldn't go, then we would have people that are four or five hundred years old because none of us want to let go of anybody. We've been listening to Pastor Mark Job on Moody Presents. Our text, James chapter 5. Today we looked at the right prayer approach and how to operate with a message of faith when we pray. But there's still more to learn and plenty of that, so we'll dig further into the book of James, looking at chapter 5 as we conclude our series in James, Faith That Works. Now, I'd like to suggest that you listen to today's message again. I find that helpful, and you can do that online when you visit us at moodypresents.org. moodypresents.org. I'm John Geiger. Hope you'll be along next time for more of Mark Job on Moody Presents, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.